Praise the Lord. As we continue in our series talking about heroes, we are going to be looking at the book of Matthew. The book of Matthew, chapter 16. We're going to start at verse number 13, and we're going to read through verse number 23. Now, when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he began asking his disciples, saying, Who do people say that the Son of Man is? They said, Some say John the Baptist, others Elijah, but still others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said to them, But who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I say to you that you are Peter. And upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not overpower it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Then he warned the disciples that they should tell no one that he was the Christ. From that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and the scribes and be killed and be raised up upon the third day. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, God forbid it, Lord. This shall never happen to you. But he turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me, for you are not setting your mind on God's interests, but man's. If there is a scripture the church in America needs to hear today, it's that we would set our minds on him and not on man's plans. Not on what we want the church to be, but what Jesus has declared we are to be. What Jesus has declared that his church should be doing and should be being about. Let us with all of our hearts embrace the word of God today. And let us say, Lord, as far as it depends on us, as far as it depends on North Lake Church, may it be said about us, we will be about the will of God. We will be about the kingdom of God. We will be about him and him alone. Amen? Amen. I want to talk to you this morning about the boldness of a hero. Now, the, this whole series... I truly understand and I want you to, to know that I in my own flesh read these stories in the Bible and I think, Lord, those stories sound so good if you'll do them in someone else and not me. Isn't that true? 
I think if we're all honest with ourselves, I, I think all of us have trouble seeing us being used mightily by the power in the hand of God. But I say unto you, we need to, according to Scripture, get a different mindset. Our mindset needs to be changed in order to match the Word of God. Now, although last week I talked to you and told you that none of those, none of those in the Scripture would have considered themselves heroes. But they were used by God in a mighty way. They were used by God in a way that changed their world, in a way that brought life to their world, in a way that brought spiritual transformational change. May North Lake Church, one of the reasons we did that that image of the lake flowing is, you know what? The living water changes everything. The gospel is alive and well. The word of God has not changed. The word of God is the same. This morning, I want to talk to you about the boldness of a hero. And we look at Peter, and I know that there's uh, two different ways of looking at Peter's quality of boldness, and we're going to do that today. But I also want to remind us in all of the characters that we have been going through, you know, we talked about Moses. Moses said, look, Lord, I don't talk well. <laughs> Find someone else. And God gave him Aaron, but he didn't need Aaron. God was sufficient. <laughs> and as you look, and all of the heroes we've talked about, even in, in uh, uh, every one, they all had incredible human flaws and sin. Not one of them without sin. And yet all of them used in a mighty way for God. What is the difference? I believe I want to talk about this, mo this morning that thing in the life of Peter. The first thing I want to talk about as we look at this passage of Scripture is Peter's boldness caused him to make the greatest confession of faith. It was Peter's boldness. Here Jesus asks a question of his disciples. Who do people say that I am? And that was the first question. He said, who do people say that I am? And then they go through, well, John the Baptist. Now, John the Baptist was no slouch. <laughs> John the Baptist would have been great to be identified with. I mean, John the Baptist was a, was a, a, a servant and a warrior for the Lord. And then he said, some say Elijah. Praise the Lord. All these things. And then they said, some say the prophets. And then Jesus took it a little deeper. Said, yes, but who do you say? Who do you say that I am? And may I pose the question to you, until you ask that personal question in your life, you, I don't think, will ever understand 
that what you really believe about the Lord in your life is how you're going to live your life. Ask yourself the question, who do you say he is? Is he the son of the living God, the Christ, the Messiah, hallelujah? Has he transformed and totally changed your life? Or have you somehow, some way, please hear my heart, not being condemning in any way, have you somehow come and had your life conformed into being good, but not being transformed by the power of God? Religion will not save you. A transformed heart by the power of the living God will save you. Thank you, Jesus. Peter's boldness caused that great statement of faith. This confession was not about empowering the Pope. Now here my heart. I am not here to speak in any way that would purposely cause offense, but the word of God in truth is sometimes offensive. God did not allow Peter to make this statement because the power of the church was going to rest on the Pope or a denomination or any man. It wasn't going to happen. It wasn't about Peter when he made the statement. Peter made the statement, but Jesus himself even brought out the fact that without the Father, Peter would have never made the statement. It was only because at this moment, Peter had listened and heard from the Father because Jesus said, blessed are you, Simon, Barjona. You did not receive this of your own. <laughs> this was a revelation from God the Father. This great confession, this great statement was not about Peter at all. It was not about that God was getting ready to raise up a denomination at all. It was not about that. What was it about? It was about the fact that God so loved the world that Emmanuel, God himself, was there. And he makes the statement, you are the Christ, meaning Messiah. And then he says, the son of the living God. This was God, Jehovah, the God of Jacob, Abraham, and Isaac. This is the only true God. Every other God is a small g. Every other God is man-made. Every other God is no God at all. But 
This, the son of the living God, is in fact God Emmanuel among us. Hallelujah. And it was this confession, the rock in which the church would build itself on was not Peter. It was his statement that Jesus is it. He is the one. If the church was never to be about man. I think one of the, one of the things that has stolen the power of the moving of God in the church in America like no, nothing else has been the commercialism of the church. Not meaning a coffee bar. God doesn't care. Can I just say it? We, we try to make it about external things. Who cares? What is God going for? When I say commercialism, this idea that church is all about me is an epidemic. This idea that church ought to be about what I want and not what God says we need to be about needs to die in America. And the church of Jesus Christ needs to arise. The church that says we will do whatever it takes. We will do all possible to reach one more for Jesus Christ. We will do anything it takes other than compromising the Son of God. That we will not move on. You heard the message from the Lord it all stands on the blood. It all stands on him. That's the foundation that we have. Understand, you know, how we reach people, Paul says, I'll use whatever method necessary. He's not hung up on it. There may, for all of you coffee drinkers, and please grieve it with me, there may come a time where coffee's not all that in a bag of chips. What are we going to do, America, when the coffee bars are removed? <laughs> do you hear me? If they are, may we never say, well, they ought to have coffee. Let's be about the kingdom of Jesus Christ. Let's be about reaching people with the power of God's love. Let's be about seeing them transformed by the power and the blood of Jesus Christ. That's what the church is about. That's what the church was birthed for. That statement that Peter made is the statement that is birthed for the church. That it be about the son of the living God. Hallelujah. Now, let's read this statement. Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. God, after he spoke long ago to the fathers and the prophets in many... Ooh, I have to get my breath. <laughs> 
in many portions and in many ways. In these last days, he has spoken to us in his son that he appointed an heir over all things. Through him he also made the world. And he is the radiance of his glory and the exact representation of his nature and upholds all things by the word of his power. And when he made purification for sins... He sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. <laughs> Hallelujah! That's why we can have church this morning. That's why we can have church. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. All right, let's move to the second one. Peter's boldness caused him to receive one of the Lord's strongest rebukes. <laughs> now here it comes. Peter, who jumped right out there and said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God, literally in the next breath, has the audacity to grab Jesus like he almost put his arm around him and said, Jesus, let me take you aside and tell you something here. That's bold. He just made a statement about Jesus being the son of the living God. You understand what I'm saying? He then puts his arm around him or pulls him aside, the scripture says. It's literally like, come over here, come over here. I, I, I need to explain something to you. Our, our human nature is amazing, isn't it? And all of us have it. I have it too. All of us do. All of us have that tendency. But, you know, for Peter, I mean, truly, it was not only that. It was not the fact that he pulled him aside. That in itself is presumptuous enough. But then the scripture says, he rebuked him. <laughs> now I have to say, I have thought of, and I have had many conversations with the Lord. I have said, out of frustration, some things that I've said, Lord, thank you that you've given me grace. But I have never <laughs> said, God, you did this wrong. You're wrong. <laughs> and Peter looked at Jesus and said, Lord, this is never going to happen to you. He rebuked him. And to the point where Jesus literally had to look at him <laughs> and say, Satan, you do not have the mind of the Lord. Now that's powerful. He understood that at that moment, he had passed the point of the Father revealing him something to where he was now in the carnal and the the enemy of his soul was using him to speak. <laughs> That's amazing. That's amazing. And we often give Peter a bad rap. Can I say that? You know, we often say, and, and I can see it, you know, boldness, boy, just, just sit down and be quiet, Peter. But... 
can I can I say this before we get into the next little point on the on the PowerPoint there? Sometimes maybe your personality trait isn't boldness. But gentleness can be just as detrimental and used by your flesh rather than the power of God if you don't have it under his control. So all of us who don't have the boldness, but God has given a character of gentleness, don't you think that you can't, apart from Christ, walk in a way that does not bring glory to God? I will say this, though. For all of the bad rap we give Peter, I will still say he's the only one that I'm aware of that walked on the water with Jesus. <laughs> you can say whatever you want about him. You can even say, yeah, he walked on the water, but he sank. Every time I hear that, I think, yes, said by a person that would have never got out of the boat. And maybe what I want to say to you, whether you have a quality trait of gentleness or whatever it is, or you have a quality of boldness, maybe you need to hear from Jesus today. Get out of the boat! Get under the control of the Spirit. Get under His mighty power. Whatever it is that God has given you, that quality in the hands of the Lord can be a mighty thing from God. But left to yourself, it is detrimental. So that boldness that Peter had, that strength was also the thing that brought on the greatest rebuke from the Lord. Then we bring to the third point, and that is this. It is the Holy Spirit that is able to use Peter's boldness under his control. You see that. Here you see, you, you see right now, you see this, this back and forth, and you see Peter sometimes doing good, and sometimes you're like, oh, my goodness, you know, there's, by the way, those scriptures I mentioned there are all about Peter's boldness, but sometimes he'd step out, like the time that he said, uh, you know, Lord, uh, here, uh, let me cut this guy's ear off. <laughs> and Peter has to say, put away your sword. Don't you think I can call 10 legions of angels and take care of this? And And so... What is it that marks the difference? I want to talk about that because I believe it's powerful. And I believe as we mark this 500th year that Jill mentioned of Martin Luther, that we understand this, that we grab hold of this, that again, church in America is not about 
us in any way, whether the church is small, whether the church is big, whatever the church is, if it's not filled with the power of the life-changing gospel, it's dead. If it's not filled with a group of people that understand the word of God is life. And the Spirit of God lives and breathes and moves in us. Then all we have is empty religion and filled buildings with people with no power. After Pentecost, Peter was not the same. You look at his life. The Spirit took control of Peter and used it all in his perfect work and glory. But you can take a look at every person, not just Peter. You take a look at any person. You take a look at those in the Bible. You take a look at those that we read about, that God has done mighty things through. When they are under the spirit of God's control, everything about them is different. Everything about them is different. When the fruit of his spirit is able to bring all of that raw talent, all of those attributes, strong and weak, see, there's us. We say, well, that one's strong, that one's weak, that one's... That one under the power of the Holy Spirit may be exactly what God needs. What was it? John chapter 20. I, can't, I cannot emphasize this enough. I was talking about it again with my father-in-law yesterday. John chapter 20, 21 and 22, after the resurrection of Jesus, Jesus does something. He stops and he breathes on the disciples and they received the Holy Spirit. Well, I thought that was for the Holy Spirit to come. I challenge you to look in any other place in Scripture where Jesus did something and it didn't happen. You'll not find it. They received the Holy Spirit, the indwelling presence of God, now that the Jesus talked about was around them, was now in them. When he breathed on them, it wasn't something that just was to happen in the future. It happened at that moment. And then he said, wait till you've been endued with power from on high. You look at that scripture, it doesn't say that the Holy Spirit came in them. It says the Holy Spirit came on them. On them in power. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. So you look at Galatians 5 that I have looked, that I've listed there in our scripture verses. Those fruits of the Spirit. Love. Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness. 
Pastor Brian, are, are you saying that under the power of the Holy Spirit, my gentleness can make me a hero for God? Absolutely. Absolutely. That's how God works. God can take a quality of patience. God can take a quality of faithfulness, something that we consider, oh, that's so insignificant, it'll never amount to anything. And under the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit, he changes lives for the glory of God, for eternity. Whether you're a mom, a dad, or whatever God sphere of influence you have you allow that quality under the power of the Holy Spirit to transform people by the power of God because when they look in you they will see that's not normal that's of God you say pastor I don't I don't know the other one by the way that I saved for last is self-control God knows when whatever quality of raw talent God has given you needs to be shut down and under his control <laughs> or let loose. Sometimes God says, get out of the boat, speak up, let it go. Sometimes God says, Give me your tongue and just be quiet. <laughs> That's the cool thing about the fruit of the Spirit and about the Spirit of God, the power from Acts that says he'll come on you. He'll do what you can't do. He'll power you like no one else can. You say, I don't understand what I'm, how I did that or, or what I did. That's the power of the Spirit of God. And he says, praise the Lord. Speaking of this, person by the name of Martin Luther, he says, the Bible is alive. It speaks to me. You say, well, I, I've never heard God speak to me. He will speak to you. And when he speaks to you, it will be exactly what you hear in the word of God. Because he is the word of God. And he's active and living and sharper than any double-edged sword. It speaks to me. It has feet. It runs after me. It has hands. He apprehends me. If you have not felt that type of transformational change by God, I say to you that you need to say, Lord, have I had a religious experience or have I had a change transformational heart? Now you say, Pastor Brian, really? Yes, because God doesn't need our religion. He needs us to be transformed by the power of the living God. And when that happens, 
you understand the statement that Martin Luther made. Martin Luther, that man that in a time when they said a layman shouldn't even have a Bible in their hands, he began to read the word of God and the word of God apprehended him. The word of God ran after him. The word of God spoke to him and it spoke to him so strong he said, I have to tell people. I have to let it out. He went and he told and he made the other statement. A simple layman armed with scripture is to be believed above the Pope or a Cardinal without it. Praise the Lord! You have the power of the Word of God in your hand. It's life transformational. Praise the Lord. You are not ordinary you are extraordinary under the power of God that last statement's important so that we understand it's not about us but we need to get a different mindset you've heard me talking about this I'm gonna say it again God's kingdom has never been about an elite few. God's kingdom is about you and the church being released in the power and the might of the Spirit of God. You're extraordinary through God's power. You're not ordinary people. When people see you, pray they don't see you, they see Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. God has called you to be a hero. God has called you to be that person today. Our country, our country, praise the Lord, we are so blessed. I know all the stuff that's happening. It's still the greatest nation on the face of the earth. The fact that we are gathered here today proves it. The fact that, we, thank you, Jesus. Give him praise, but pray for our country that God is giving us, I believe, an opportunity to say, Lord, we are not going to make the church about what we've made it. We're going to stand on the power and the presence of God. We're going to go back to the book. We're going to release the people in the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. And we're going to see our communities change. We're going to see our school system change. We're going to see our government changed. You say, wow, you're talking radical. Yeah, that's how God works. Through ordinary people under the power of God doing extraordinary things. Bow your head with me this morning. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. One life at a time. 
God works one life at a time. You say, man, okay, I'm, I'm hearing this, but where do I start? One life at a time. Who's God put before you? Who's God given you contact with? Who's God given you influence over? Start there. Start with your grandkids. Start with your great-grandkids. Start with your children. Start with your co-worker. Wherever it is God's placed you, start there one life at a time. Being extraordinary under the power of God, even though you're a human being like everybody else. Hallelujah. Because, see, it's always been about him. His church will always be about him. It's always first and foremost about him. So as we're getting ready before we sing that song, I want to ask, is there anyone here? And you would say, Pastor Brian, I need to accept Jesus in my heart. I do not want to take it for granted that someone is here that maybe in hearing the word of God today, you would say, I need a new heart. I need that transformational life. I don't need to try to be good. I don't need to try to fit in and just be religious. I need change. And you need to call on Jesus and have him forgive your sin, give you a new heart and put his spirit in you. If that's you, would you slip your hand up and say, yes, pastor, I need it today. I need it. Hallelujah. Anyone here? Anyone here? Praise you, Jesus. Then as we sing this, this is what I'm asking. As we sing this, North Lake, let's get ready as they sing it, that we stand up and as we sing this, say, Lord, I'm getting ready to allow you to do extraordinary things through an ordinary person by the power and the spirit of the living God. Amen? Amen. Amen.